that during that series, and maybe this is your first time with us, and I'm giving you a little backtrack, a little bit, a little, I guess, a remix um, of what we have talked about. But I want you to see the flow of where we're going. So, so just I want us to be wowed by who God is. At the end of the day, two months, and that's probably not even enough. We could have gone a lot longer on who he is. But he, just be wowed by him. Like, wow, God, you are so much better and so much bigger and so much wiser and so much stronger than, than we could ever imagine. And then, as we're walking in this series on faith, it's like, now, how do we respond? And the word that we use in Scripture for our response is faith. Now, I'm going to give you a couple definitions of faith. Uh, Hebrews 11.1. And, and I love it when the Bible defines an important word. And so here, because it kind of like clears it up for us. Go ahead, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith, this is the word we've been using, this is our response to God, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith, faith is not this wishy-washy of like, we just need to have faith. Faith is being able to, being confident, being, having assurance of something. Faith, faith is more than just believing in something, like the belief is enough. It's, it's not the power of our faith that has anything. It's the person or the thing that we have faith in. Faith is being sure of who God is. Faith is having an assurance that he's going to do what he says he is. And the rest of the book of, uh, the rest of the chapter of Hebrews 11 talks about how faith plays itself out. How, how faith is a response to God's greatness. In fact, Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Do you get that? Without this kind of having assurance and confidence, without a response to who he is, you can't, you can't make him smile. You can't please him. And so this faith is a critical idea. In fact, a couple weeks ago, uh, we were in Ephesians chapter 2, um, and we were talking about salvation, rescue, how we, need, we all need rescue. And that rescue is done through Jesus Christ as a gift by faith, by just trusting, by placing ourselves in a sense that, God, we can do nothing of ourselves. We are yours. Last week, we talked about this idea of, of a way to invigorate your, your, your walk with Christ. Like sometimes you feel dry. Sometimes you feel like you're wandering and you're like, I don't, I feel a little empty, a little dry. And one of the best ways to, to get out of that is to step in faith. And, and I know a lot of you resonate, resonated with that. Like you I saw some response on Facebook, and I'm glad that you resonated with it. And now we're going to zero in on one of those areas where God asks asks us to step. Listen, the whole story of the Bible is full of people stepping. David takes on Goliath because of his faith, his view of God. He says, "I'm willing to step." Moses or Noah. He's like, is warned about a flood coming, and he takes a step. There, there never, the Bible says it never rained before. He didn't even know what rain really was, but he, he obeys. Abraham is told. God comes to him and says, hey, I want you to go. That's it. <laughs> That's really it. I want you to go. And there, there's nowhere. He didn't know where he's going. All he was doing is following step by step. They're like, we have this, this, this history of people who step by faith. Now, here's where I get a little nervous because this is where we're going this morning and may may make you nervous as well. You ever hear the phrase, don't poke the bear? Um, It it comes from this idea of there are certain areas in somebody's life that you don't want to lean into because they're either sensitive to it or you'll get them riled up. 
Um, if, if you're in this room, there's probably at least one or two of you or more. If you go political, if you, if you talk politics, you might be poking a bear, right? Or if you're, if you're a mother in here and someone talks like about your kid in a not nice way, you, they may have poked the bear. You, you may, okay, you may have just spent hour after hour after hour on a project in your house, and when someone comes in and finds the one thing wrong with it, you may be poking the bear. You, you understand what poking the bear is? Like, you're getting things riled up, started up, and this morning, I feel like I may be poking a bear. And that, let me just tell you um, why I am so... Um, why this is such a hard message for me. One is, for the history of the church, what we're talking about this morning has been manipulated and abused for their best interests. We're, t- we're talking about generosity this morning, if you haven't figured it out yet. We're talking about the, the faith of giving. And for the history of the church, and even in the modern era, there has been a, abuse laid on, a guilt laid on the people of the church that you remember the selling of indulgences back in the time? Like, like, hey, we'll forgive you if you give us money. Or, hey, you will be wealthy beyond your imagination today if you give to my ministry. And then you see them flying around in an airplane or a helicopter or whatever. You know, so we see this kind of abuse. Two, why this is so difficult for many of us, for me as well, is because it, it is so personal. Like, it, it is... It, it is the, the, almost the hidden thing. Like, I don't know any of your incomes, anything that, what you're doing with your money. I, don't, I, I can see little pieces of it, but it's, it's very, very personal. But let me, let me just switch it this way. And why I, I feel like, let me just, <laughs> I've tried this week to talk to God and to let me switch. You know, like, God, how about this? There's a lot of other things I'd rather talk about. Can I, th- last week was such a great message and, and people were so like excited about like stepping in faith. How about I talk about this topic? It seems a lot, and, and I'm like, God kept going back to, I felt like God said, no, this is important to me. This, this is how I know. Not because he said that to me, but because Jesus talked about it a ton. He, he is talking to his, his disciples and, and a whole bunch of people follow him. And this is what he says. He says, you cannot serve. He could have used a whole lot of examples. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. He, he, and, and then he's, he talks to this um, rich guy, all right? His rich, this rich guy comes up to him and says, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus has this conversation with him. At the end of the conversation, he says, now go sell all you have and then come follow me. And the Bible says he went away sad because he had lots of money. So for some reason, Jesus keeps leaning in to the financial side of our lives. Like, this is what, what, what we like to do. Is like, God, you can have a lot of things. God, you can, you, you, I'll, I'll obey you if you want me to go someplace. But for some reason, we, we all, I struggle with this act called generosity. It, it's like those, so for a long time I was in ministry. All right, I, I, I was, since high school, um, I went to Bible college, and I, I left Bible college to become a youth pastor. And for years, I'm like, God, listen, I'm a youth pastor. I don't make a whole lot. In fact, I have a parsonage. You know what a parsonage is? I got, I got a house. It's falling apart. And somewhat. It's a decent house. 
And yet I, I'm, I'm making, you know, a couple hundred dollars a week, you know, in, in ministry, you know. And I'm like, God, I don't think, I, I, I give time too. I shouldn't have to give. So for a long time, my wife and I was like, no, we're, we're covered by the ministry rule, right? If you're in ministry, you don't have to give because we give to the church anyway. And then there was a moment where my wife and I sat down. We're like, wrestled with. I'm, not, I, I'm just being honest with you. We wrestled with this. We were like, God, we don't have, you ever look at your spread, well, I didn't have spreadsheets back then, it was all paper, but you look at a spreadsheet and the math doesn't add up, and I was looking at it with my wife, I'm like, the math does not add up, we need to eat, it's, it's an important thing, we need, to, we need to clothe ourselves, we need to pay our mortgage, we need to pay, as we move, we need to pay our rent, we need to, and it didn't add up, but we said, if I am going to be a person of faith, I'm gonna, if I'm going to be a person who wants to follow Jesus Christ, I want to follow him to complete obedience, and as I read scripture, money is constantly talked about. And I'm like, God, I just want to bring myself myself and all that I have underneath your submission, underneath your leadership, including my finances, even though it scares me to death. It, I don't know how this is going to play out. And I'll be, I'm going to be honest with you. It was the best decision I have ever made in my life. Besides, well, there's three other ones that were pretty good. Um, accepting Christ as my Savior, marrying my wife, and having kids were all good decisions, but, but that was one of the best decisions because I saw God show up in ways that I had never thought I could see him show up. Let me just walk into it a little bit with you. Um, we'll be in first, uh, Second Corinthians chapter um, 8 and 9. And So let me just pause for a second and let you know a couple things. God has this church taken care of. I am not speaking on this topic because I want money from you. And if you walk away thinking that I'm trying to guilt you into that, I would say take the message and, and don't give to the church. Give someplace else. All right? I don't care about the church getting any of your money. This is not the, the point of the message. Um, let, me just, let me just get into it. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, and we'll start in verse, the whole two chapters is, is about this idea of finances, but we'll start in verse um, eight. Now listen to Paul talking. He's talking to this church. He says, I am not commanding you. So I'm, not, I'm not forcing you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnest of others. This is what he says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became full, poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. All right, let me just walk that through. He's like, at the beginning of generosity, this idea of, of, of what we do with our finances, with what we do with our, our things that we own, he says at the base of it, in the act of faith, is this idea of worship, responding to what God has already done for you. And this is the picture that he says. He says, listen, Jesus Christ had everything that he had ever wanted in heaven. Like, he, he had everything at his disposal. He left the riches of heaven and became man and took on poverty for us to the point of death for us so that we could become rich. He says, listen, respond to that. Like, let, let, don't, don't be guilted into giving. Look at the, what Jesus Christ has already, like, look at what he's done for you. Look at what he is doing for you. Look, look at how he has, has rescued you. And out of that, respond to it. Respond to it. To worship him by what he has already done. Look, look at his example and follow it. That, that is the centerpiece of God's call in our life to generosity. What he has done for us. Then he goes on over in chapter uh, um, 9, verse 6. This is where we're going to be the majority of the time. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously 
will also reap generously. This, he's using this example of uh, farming. He says, listen, let me just walk into the farming um, field for you. Uh, do any of you garden? Some of you garden? Listen, the more seed you put in your garden, the more things you plant, the greater the harvest. It's a, it's a science principle, right? So the bigger your garden, the more, the more strawberry plants you have out, the more strawberries you're going to get. The more tomato plants you put out, the more p- tomato plants you, you get. The more squash, you know, no one can kill squash. It seems like everyone can grow that. The more p- things that you plant, the more squash and zucchini you get. It's a principle of all seed ideas. The more you plant, he's like this, listen, in your generosity, understand that you have two choices with your money. You can either use it as a harvest or as a seed idea. Seeds are investments. Harvesting is using. So listen, whoever sows sparing, whoever put, puts little seed in the ground will not get much. If you are, this is the spiritual principle, if you are generous, you will reap generously. Verse 7 says this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Stop for a second. Listen to what he's saying. He's like, no one's going to tell you what to give. Paul, this is Paul talking. He's like, well, each of you should, should seek God, listen to his voice, see what God is saying to you, because he doesn't want you to give reluctantly or under compulsion. He doesn't want you to feel guilty about your giving, or he doesn't want you to be like, I guess I have to. He says, I want, I want you to be free in this. For God loves a cheerful giver. This is what God loves it when someone steps in faith and says, all right, God, I love you this much, and therefore I'm willing to listen to your voice. I'm willing to respond to what you are, you are saying in my life. This is what it says. When we, when we listen to God and we respond, it says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As I was reading the scripture, there is, there, is, there is promises throughout all Scripture. But it's interesting to me that this promise shows up over and over and over again. And this is the promise. Th- this is how God works. If you step in faith generously, God responds abundantly. Th- does that make sense to you? And, and I don't know how he responds abundantly, but he will respond abundantly Sometimes it's in finances, sometimes it's in things happening, I don't know. But he says, listen to me, if you step, this is exactly what we were talking about last week, right? If you step in faith, God's power multiplies and does big things. Like, God uses your step of faith, and he says, listen, that, that's just a small, that's a, that's a seed. That's, that's a mustard seed. With, with a faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. He says, listen to me, faith, small faith allows God to do impossible things. Same thing with finance. Our finances, our generosity allows God to show up powerfully in our life. And this is the problem. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is the phrase that I heard a long time ago that I hang on to. It says this, 90% with God is more than 100% without him. Living a life of generosity may on the number sheet sound like it's less but in the God's economy, it will always be more. God, God has a way of, of proving himself when we, 
work that way. Uh, Malachi chapter 3 says, he's talking to the nation of Israel, he says, test me in this. Like it's the only place in the, the whole scriptures where he says, try me in this and see if it doesn't work out. See it, like he says, he actually says, why don't you do a little experiment and see how I work? You listen to my voice and do what I ask and then see how it plays out and tell me I'm not faithful. Let me go on a little bit further. As it is written, they have scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now it goes on verse 10. Now he who supplies seed in the sower and bread for food will also supply the increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. This is, this is what he's saying. All right, I'll use an illustration. You ever, um, some of you have kids, and so you take them to McDonald's, and you're like, all right, I'll buy you, I'll buy you a, a meal, a happy meal, maybe a little bigger. Uh, maybe go to Wendy's, go for the four, four, four for four forty-four. You ever do that one? The four, and then you get medium. They charge you extra and all that. So you, you take your kid and you listen. You pay the gas and the insurance, and bought the car, and bought their the clothes, and bought their shoes to get in the car, and the seatbelt, and you're pulling into the drive-through, and you're buying the French fries and the whatever the chicken nuggets. Um, or the whatever cheeseburger you 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 bought the, the whole. In fact, you, they have a Wii at home. They have what well, I guess Wii. What is that? They don't even have that anymore. They have they have some kind of game system. They have a uh, they have a better phone than you have. They they have like all all of it. Th- let me tell you, all of it's from you, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? They have not had a job their entire life, and the jobs that they had, you gave them as chores that they still fight back on. All right, do you, so all of it, now this, everything in their room, you kind of bought them. Well, you ever hear the old saying, I brought you in this world, I can take you out? I think, you know, like, you, you even did that. You paid the insurance so that you could have, you, you, you had, they could have a baby. You know, you, you, you've taken them to the doctors. You, you fed them and fed them and fed them and fed them. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's never ending. What, what do we have for a snack? Uh, nothing. You ate it all. We're done. You know, and, and all of it. And you get to McDonald's. You, they get the Happy Meal, and you're like, I didn't want anything at that point. All I want is, uh, I'll just have one of theirs. This is what you're thinking in your head. I'll just have one of theirs. And so you pull away, and you're like, hey, can I have a French fry? No, it's mine. Okay, let's play this again. I bought the French fry. I bought the bag that the french fries are in. I bought, I drove you here. You know, you could go through the long list. You ever think that that's exactly, that's what this scripture is saying? God is a God of the seed, and he is the God of the the product of it, the harvest. God does both. God God provides you seed to to invest, and then God comes back around and says, all of this is his. Not one thing have we really, I know you work hard. And I know that you've applied to places, but your gifting is from God. Your opportunity is from God. Everything that you have is from God. Not one thing have you really deserved, even though we live in a culture where we think we deserve everything. God has provided it for your benefit, for your joy, for your goodness. He, he's good with, for, I'm good with buying my kids French fries. My wife's not good with me buying French fries, but I'm good with buying them French fries. You know, I, I want them to enjoy it. But why can't they give me one fry? It's mine anyway. Right? Isn't it possible that God's like, I, 
he's loved you a ton. And his grace has been poured out on you. And all that you have that is good is from him. And he's like, like all the things that you have, the, the very money in your account, your 501, whatever you have, all of it. It says, he's like, I, I've given it for you. Yeah, I want you, and Timothy says, I want you to enjoy that, but I also want you to worship me with it. I, I, want, you to re, I, I want you to respond to my goodness to you. I, I, want, you to, I want you to hold it loosely. I, I want you to, to be generous. This, this is, in many cultures in our world, I don't think this is a tough message to get. But in our culture, because we are, the word we use is materialistic, we, we are so driven by more. We, we, we so want the next. We, 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 we feel like we need to have. And we're so like tight. You know the cure for materialism? Materialism is this. You know what the cure is? This. Like, God, this, this, is, all, this is all yours. And I want to, I want to, I want to cast, I want to cast the seed of what you've given me. You, so back in the day, back in the day, um, before, you know, I came around, they, and they still do this today, but, but back when you were in an agricultural society, you got to the end of the harvest, right? And so you, you'd have this big pile of whatever you, you grew, and you had choices to make. Do you, you had, you, you had like, all right, do we eat this? Or do we save it for seed? You, you ever watch a movie like from that era, and they're like starving, and they're like really, they're, they're like really hungry, and like you have the seed because it's seed, it's food, right? We we could we could we could devour the seed. Why don't we eat the seed? Why don't we eat? Why don't we eat the food? And the, and then in the back of their mind, they're like, if we eat the food, we'll never get another harvest. God says, listen, use some of your finances for seed. You use it because whatever you plant out there, God will reward. He says, use it. Don't, don't hang on to it. Get, and let me do, use some of the harvest. But, but let me do what I want with the rest. Again, verse 11 says this. This is the promise. You will be, if you cast the seed out, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. He says, you will be enriched. God, the promise continues. If you take a step of faith, God will respond in some way. Verse 15 at the end there says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Like, man, God's been so good to us. God, and this is just a response. Let me just give you a little, uh, share a little story with you. You, you may think this is about people, and it is about people, but it's also about churches. And so from the very beginning of our church, from the, we, we sat down. And by the way, when you start a church and you only have six families and uh, your income is based on that as a pastor, you know, you're like, we had to make some strategic decisions. And from the very first time we met, one of the strategic decisions we made was, as a church, we were going to be generous. We were going to, we were going to, this, this is how we look over history. This is how we, we hold everything with open hands. I want to tell, we, we want to be able to give people away. 
We want to be able to say, we want to be generous overseas. We want to be generous. And it, this has played out in a lot of different ways. There, the hub, the, hub, the uh, church in Elmira left. You know, we, we just built this building, and when you build a building, sometimes you have a huge mortgage or a mortgage. We had a huge mortgage, and, and so we were, we were basing that mortgage on a certain number of people, and, and that was the number of people on our giving of that time, and, and we were in this predicament of what do we do? Because we don't, a mortgage is a mortgage. It needs to be paid. So we decided we were going to hold our money open hand. We're going to hold our people open hand. We're going to hold things. God, if this is the door you want us to walk through, God, help us to walk in faith walking through it. And so we gave 20 plus thousand dollars to this plant. We, we gave some, some people who give to this plant. We gave people away to this plant. And you notice w- within a month, our attendance was the same and our giving was up. I, I don't... And I tell you that not to brag on the church, I'm just telling you to brag on God, that that's God's economy, that when we hold, like this has been the story of our church, really, of this generosity, this idea of open-handedness, like people have come and people go, and people come again and people go again. And we're like, God, we're not going to hang on to people tightly because we want to send them with our blessings, say wherever God sends them, go, even if it affects us. Even if it affects our ministry sometimes, even if it affects our finances sometimes, God, help us, help us to trust you over trusting what's going on here. We have committed from the very first Sunday we're going to tithe. We give 10% of our offerings to, well, our region who gives it out to missions and a bunch of other things. Not only do we tithe, we, we made the commitment that we want to we do missions. We have this new thing called a multiplication fund where we want to start more churches. And so all, we do a lot saying, God, we hold this open-handedly because we believe this. This is what I believe, that as we hold things open-handedly, God blesses. And I can tell you, we could tell you how God has blessed this body, this family, because of the decision they made years ago. To t- I'll, t- I'll be honest with you. There were times among, in, in that journey where we're in meetings of, like, what do we cut? Right? What, what do we get rid of? You ever been there? You've been there financially, right? You're like looking at your uh, bill list. All right, what do we cut? And we're like, we could cut the tithe. That tithe has been there from day one because we believe that that tithe is cast in seed. We're trusting. That's our trust act. We d- I do that personally, and we do that as a church because I think God has promised, has clearly stated that if we cast seed, the harvest will come. And so, I guess what I'm, I'm asking you to do, and I, I, again, not my favorite message to give, but I think this is, this is a heart, there, there's so much on money in the Bible, that you seek God and say, God, what do you want from me? God, am I being faithful? God, how do you want me to step? God, and listen, it doesn't have to be in the church. You, you may decide that you have someone, a neighbor who has needs. God speaking to you on that neighbor. Maybe it's something else. I don't know, but, but hold it loose-handedly. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, for some reason you have chosen money to be a teaching agent in our life about trust. And so, God, I pray that as we um, seek you, as we surrender all that we are to you, that we, we trust you. We trust you with our families. We trust you with our jobs. We trust you with our ministries, but we also trust you with this act of generosity. So God, we we just want to respond to your goodness. We want to do this out of joy. 
We, we want to be faithful to what you have asked us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.